You're listening to Finding Your Genius Zone with Dirk Novell. With the help of successful individuals across industries, Dirk breaks down the unknown parts of every vocation while highlighting the importance of finding a career where you can leverage your natural skills, passions, and interests. Now here's your host, Dirk Novell. Everybody, this is Dirk Novell. Welcome to my podcast. On with me today is a friend of mine, and I call him a partner, uh, Spencer King. Spencer, welcome. Thank you, Dirk. Pleasure to be here. I know you've been trying to pin me down for a while, so I'm glad we finally had a chance to do this. I know. I think you had a little stint there in Italy, and uh, you know you're getting busy. And when I say partner, you know I'm in the lending world, and and Spencer is in the real estate world as a real estate agent. So you know we've worked together, and that you know just a little backdrop with Spencer. I want to say it was maybe seven, eight years ago, we had a mutual friend and she said, you got to meet this guy. You guys have a lot of similarities. And, and just, I think you had just finished your book, which we're going to get into in a little bit, but I remember meeting Spencer and then life happens. And then we kind of reconveyed or connected a few years ago, a couple of years ago. And anyways, I love working with you, Spencer. I, I, I know you're really good at what you do. I'm excited to have you on because I think you have a very, uh, diverse background that is going to be interesting for the audience to listen to. So why don't we just start with, um, why don't you tell, I know you've been in the real estate world for about six years. Um, why don't you just kind of talk to the audience? Cause they're going to be coming in hot based on what you do now. So talk to the audience about what it is you do. Yeah. So I'm in real estate, as Dirk mentioned, it's, it's something that uh, if you love to work and we're all looking for something we love to do in life. I, heard an interview years ago with Sylvester Stallone and the question was, you know, how can you become sex successful in life? And his answer was, he looked right in the camera and said, find what you love and just do it and the money will follow. And I think that advice has probably been kind of, you know, uh, repeated over the years, but that resonated with me for a long time. And, and I realized that if you do chase the money, it's harder to get ahead. But if you really try to serve and do something for people, you fall into something that you love and the money does actually really does follow. So uh, being a real estate broker, it's, it's definitely what you put in is what you get out. So I mean, for, for example, my days, I, I start early in the mornings, usually around six. I, I get up, I don't touch my phone or my computer for at least a good half hour or so. I use that time to either just reflect or meditate or read or just get myself centered before I begin my day. And um, once I do begin, though, it's a seven day a week job for a, a good broker. And there's uh, um, there's a lot of work that's keeping you busy, but there's a lot of work you create on your own and you're constantly trying to stay ahead all the time. So um, for me, I don't work anymore. I to me, this is like a, a hobby that I just thoroughly enjoy. And I, I love people. And I love the whole process. So what would you say you love about it the most? I mean, I know there's a lot of components to your profession, but what would you say like when you Think about genius zone. What makes you good at what you do? Yeah, that's a great question. You I know, guess I ask you two questions. I'm sorry. I said, what do you love most about it? And then what makes you good? So maybe you can answer both. Yeah, I think, I think uh, I've spent some time in the corporate environment early on in my career and I, it wasn't for me out of the gate. So one of the reasons I, I love about it is, is what it's not. It's not corporate. Um, it's you basically are your own boss. You do what you want, how you want and when you want. And my only function in life right now in my real estate career is to make sure my clients are well taken care of. And if, if I know they're taken care of, and there's many ways I, I like to do that, um, then I can sleep well at night. Um, the, what makes me good at my job, I think, you know, you go to a lot of the seminars or sales trainings, and there's always those conversations about 
differentiating factors, you know, or your value proposition and all these things. And, and yes, those things are important, but I think when it comes down to it, you're, if you're just authentically who you are, you, the things that you do well surface and, and you, and you come across as real to your people. And I think in this age, there's so much of trying to be something that you're not, uh, that, uh, you know, no one lives the perfect life. But if you can just be who you are, you can really excel at anything you choose. So, um, you know, um, logistically, the things that I like to do is I, you know, in a real estate transaction, for example, 20 or 25 people will be involved in that transaction. And people don't really realize that by the time you, it's the two brokers and the sellers and the buyers and the lender and the appraisal and the, and the uh, inspections and, you know, it just, it just goes on and on. Many people can touch that. So what I try to do always is be a step ahead of all those things and making sure not that they do their jobs, but just consistently follow up. And, and, and my, I want my client experience to be seamless, completely perfect as it can. So that means I'm always trying to check and make sure things are being covered and done as they should. And I can give you examples of that, but being ahead of the, of the curve, I think is, is huge. Um, and communication in this business is huge, not just for the clients, but also the other brokers. And um, I'm, I'm like an Uber communicator. I just want to make sure everyone knows what's going on all the time so no surprises come up. So I think between communicating, being authentic, and um, uh, you know, being ahead of the game, that's, that's kind of my secret sauce. Yeah, you know, we're both in businesses where I would say, I don't know how to say this, but the barriers to entry aren't great. I mean, there's a lot of people that do what we do. Uh, and I don't, you know, I'm in the lending side of it. So you have to always, you know, if you're watching Spencer right now, and what we're going to get in, this is like, this, this is something Spencer's been doing his whole career, which I think is actually a benefit because I think you've learned a lot in your life with other careers that probably makes you better at what you do. But as far as differentiating, I mean, there's a lot of competition, right? There's a lot of options for people. What would you say? I mean, you, you just gave us a couple things that you do well, but if there was one thing, that you know people talked about you in terms of you got to work with spencer because what would you say that is is it the communication i'm going to come back to the authenticity i mean i just am who i am and uh i'm i mean again i can list the things that make me i, I just follow my heart okay. I, I do what i think is right i mean i was raised the right way um, I do a lot of reading. Um, I, I mentioned meditation earlier. There's a lot of things that keep me in line. Um, but I think innately, I'm just that guy. And, and I mean, who you're listening to right now is who I am, you know? And so I, I just do everything I can to um, be true to myself. And I think by doing that, those types of opportunities gravitate toward me. So the right people, the right opportunities come to me because I am simply who I am. You mentioned like the corporate experience you had prior can you take us back that feeling or feelings you had that maybe felt like, I don't feel like this is it. Like there's something that doesn't feel right. I don't fit. What was that? Uh, well, I think as, as um, souls having a human experience, we're meant to be creative every day. And I was not meant to sit in a cubicle. And I felt very confined in that. I did love the work I was doing. And for uh, political reasons, uh, way above my pay grade back in those days, um, the project I worked on so hard and finally got approved, it was a medical company I was working for. I was a liaison between the company and the FDA. 
and it was my function to get this this uh, medical device approved, which is a huge undertaking. And um, now I was just I was just a cog in the wheel. I worked with the top one percent of scientists, physicians, statisticians, FDA attorneys, the best of the best. And it was my job to kind of pull all that information together and submit it to the FDA. And even though we were doing great things and getting medical devices approved and literally saving lives, um, once we got approved and went to market, uh, it all became all about money at that point. Right. And, and that was kind of a, a moment for me where I thought, mm, this may not be the right place for me. So um, I ended up, that was in Pennsylvania at the time, and I decided to come back home to Seattle and uh, go to work for a small golf shoe company, which was... Uh, the antithesis of typical corporate America. So I think it, when when those politics started kicking in, I realized that was not not the place for me to be. Yeah, I can relate. I de- I've been in corporate world. I'm not. I'm not. I I, I don't want to say I'm dangerous because I'm not political, but I'm not political. Like I'm kind yeah. of an individual. If you've ever, uh, I'm a big fan of those personality tests, and one in particular is called the Enneagram. And if you know that one, I'm a Type Four, which is individual. Um, and I, I bring that up because I think if you're listening to Spencer and you're kind of listening and thinking about yourself in terms of hmm, what would what, what environment would I do well in, you know, the real estate world that Spencer's in, a lot, you know, he's his own boss, you know, and he can elaborate. But I think it's interesting for you to maybe touch on the freedom. You know, there, there's also, you know, if you don't you're not successful, you're not going to make a living, you're not going to make money. So there's pressure too. But um, being your own boss, I I would think that's pretty um, important to you. It is very important. Uh, You know, I've worked under other sales managers in the past outside of the real estate industry that you know, have unreasonable expectations and that pressure that comes down on you day after day after day when they have themselves haven't been in the streets for 10 years. I, I just didn't like that feeling. So I know what's best for me. I know how I work well. I also know where my deficiencies are and I have no problem admitting those and asking for help in areas that I need those because you're, you're never successful on your own. You always need help from, at least in this business with your transaction coordinator or your lenders that you work with, whomever. Um, you know, you're always, um, uh, I guess, doing everything you can to keep yourself in the best place possible. And as a as a as an entrepreneur, you have to do the work yourself. You have to beat your own drum every day. You have to get up. You have to do the work every day, and you're constantly looking for that next vein of business. So there's a lot of responsibility behind all of that. But again, if you love it, it's not work. You just get up and do it every day, and, and the results come. I hear you. So let's go backwards a little bit. You know. I've traveled a lot in my life as well. Spencer went to college in Germany. He's fluent. He can write perfectly. Uh, You've had a lot of exposure to other cultures, other people, seeing the world through a different lens. Um, Can you speak to that in terms of just how you draw on that and maybe the benefits of how it's uh, served you in the career that you're in? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, This is a topic I really love. Uh, So my mom is, is German. My dad is American. He's from Pennsylvania. Uh, and, you know, the, the opportunity they afforded me as a young person, my sister as well. I mean, we were in Germany every other year, year until I was 14 years old. So I grew up with the language. I learned to walk there. Um, I loved going there. It was always summer vacations. And the years we weren't going there, my grandparents were coming here. So travel has always been a huge part of my life. And what I didn't really realize until later was how much that really opened my mind. Um, so I've gone through my whole life 
not just having my own opinions, but waiting to hear uh, the opinions or thoughts of other people, understanding how important flexibility has become in my life. And when you have an open mind, you, you end up leading a much a, a richer life uh, in, in all categories. And um, whenever I come across, uh, you know, in my business, I work with all cultures, for example, and it doesn't matter to me who you are or where you're from. I know that I can, I can fit in with that person in their, in, in their culture because I'm wide open to it. I'm flexible to how they operate. And, and I love that. And um, I, I give that advice to every young person I come across. You know, if you're just getting out of high school or considering leaving high school, or you're just getting out of college and getting into the, into the workforce, as much as you want to go out there and earn or get into a college, take that time. You have very few opportunities in life where you can actually transition. So in other words, you're coming out of high school instead of going right into college, take that gap year and go travel someplace. And if you don't have a language that you already know, it, that's fine. You can go to Australia or Canada or England, wherever. But if you go someplace like France or England or Germany, not England, but you know, a foreign speaking country, and you immerse yourself in there, not just, you know, go to where all the American bars are, but you immerse yourself into that culture. Your background becomes so diverse when you come back home after something like that and all of your friends, you're now you're maybe a year behind on the calendar, but you're light years ahead of everybody else in terms of who you are as a human being. So um, I, I love that topic. And I, I think anytime you can get out of this country and go see something else, um, it's a great world out there for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, it's interesting. My background in college was international studies. It was a Jackson School at University of Washington. And I had to study my butt off to get good grades, but I always loved traveling. My dad was a pilot, so I traveled all over the world for free with him. Nice. And, and so I think the thing that's interesting when I listen to you is the I was always curious about people and cultures. And I feel like you have that same curiosity, which I think works really well in sales, uh, whether you're selling medical or whatever, or you're selling real estate. So if you're listening to Spencer and you're, kind of trying to figure it out. I think the curiosity is really important if you have that. Um, you know, Spencer sells to, so there's business B2C, B2B, business to consumers, business to business. So when you're thinking about sales, real estate is a business to consumer. So that what that means is Spencer can, and work with anybody he bumps into on the street, family, friends, uh, people he went to college with. Um, do you feel, would is that would you enjoy a b2b type role or do you feel like you were made for the b2c definitely b2c you know um in this business you know you have to put yourself out there marketing is huge and in the digital age it's made things much easier and uh and more diverse in terms of how you get your name out there but when it comes down to it i'm much better belly to belly um, I've done B2B before and that's fine, but it's always been about the bottom line and the relationships. Sometimes they play a role, but not as much as you'd like in the B2C category. You can really, you can really hone in on your clients and really learn and really listen to them. And, um, you know, we talked about secret sauce earlier. I think that's a big piece for me. I really, really do. I, I, I think I do a great job of just listening to my clients because you're not, I'm just not waiting to speak. I'm, I'm, I'm listening. So um, you can deepen that connection as far as you want. I mean, most of my clients become friends, you know? So um, I think it's super important, um, you know, just kind of follow your heart. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. I had a comment uh, from somebody that said, 
a lot of my interviews are t adult to adult talks. And so some of the uh, audience may not relate, but I think it's really important to like, think about who you're selling to. Do you know them? Is there a natural stickiness, a connection, or are you selling? Like I used to work for Mark Cuban and I worked for broadcast.com. We became part of Yahoo. And I was selling to people I'd never hang out with. It just VPs of marketing, CFOs it, across the country. And, and then when I got into lending is like game on anybody I knew or know was a client. And so I think it's important to think like that. Cause I wasn't thinking like that when I was younger. Um, what's, what you know you've had all this life experience what's the biggest surprise of being a realtor like you've been in it six years i know you've done a lot of business uh what caught you off guard that's another good question you know when i came into the business it was it was popping i mean uh, homes were flying off at record numbers um record prices and it was uh, it was not difficult i mean if you were on the seller side you sold your house the day you listed it basically uh if you're a buyer yeah there were challenges because you had to compete to get those but people were still being able to uh, purchase when things slowed down last june uh and everyone kind of slowed the whole pace and you know as well as anybody you know you know the rate fluctuations and how they've risen all those things um we got into November, December, when things really slowed down and I would do open houses, brand new construction, beautiful homes. Yes, the prices were going down, but I was really shocked that buyers who had been waiting for two or three years, um, who didn't want to compete and, and wait overpay, who were now face-to-face -face with opportunities to buy a house, the one that works for them at this reduced price. And they kept on saying they want to see how far down it's going to go. And I'm, you know, and that I understand that thinking, yes, but at the same time, here's your chance. You've been waiting for two years not to compete. Now you can buy this house today. So that was uh, a little surprising to me. And um, people just weren't willing to pull the trigger. I think they were just in, in shock, you know, that intense market, all of a sudden slam on the brakes, rates go up, and they didn't really know what to think. And, um, you know, again, coming from my authentic self, you know, I feel like you know, I'm always speaking the truth. So I thought, you know, why, why aren't they listening? You know, why, why aren't they pulling the trigger now when they could? Um, because things are starting, they've already started going up from, from, you know, January. So that, that for me was a little surprising. Yeah, no, I get that. Um, you, what do you think, like, just when you, when you look around, I know you work for a really good company. There's a lot of great producers. Um, what would you say are, maybe two or three things that are crucial uh, in terms of being good at what you do. Uh, you know, and, and you, I know you're a humble guy, but you know, you probably have those traits, but to give somebody younger an idea of like what it takes to be successful with so many people in this industry, like what are those two or three things? Okay. I would say first, don't listen to anybody outside of your, your managing broker and your true mentors, people who have your, your best interests in mind. There's a lot of people out there that, um, you know, build a negative picture. You know, they can complain about rates or complain about inventory all day long, but you're not going to have success if you're complaining about anything. So only listen to those people who are giving you positive support, positive feedback. Uh, real feedback is fine too. Constructive criticism is fine. But I think, you know, listening to the right people is going to be, is, is the first thing. Um, you know, this is not million dollar listing. 
you, you it's not fancy lunches and big commission checks you know every day this is this is it takes a long time to get to that point i mean go out and try to find a six million dollar buyer right now it's, it's not the easiest thing in the world to do um so you have to come with a work ethic and if you have that and you work every day you good things will happen you know so um it's it's important just to stay on your game every day you know, I look at new listings three or four times a day. I look at all the market data all day long. You know, I don't, I don't spend a lot of time, you know, wasted time on my phone, if you know what I mean. I, I, but I, at, a, at a red light, I'm looking at, you know, pending sales. So, um, or I'm meditating. I'll do a 30 second meditation. It just depends. But always trying to, you know, keep myself um, aligned with those that are doing well. I think if you can seek out people. When I first started. I walked into my managing broker's office and said, who are the best brokers in the building? And they gave me a handful of names and I introduced myself, bought them coffee, listened and learned, you know, did open houses for them. And I still do. And uh, I think that that piece alone is willing to listen and willing to learn, willing to be a sponge, regardless of how old you are and what you've done in the past, I think is critical. Yeah. I mean, I think that's really important. I, I heard so, you know, this has probably been said many times, but you kind of are who you are in terms of who you surround yourself with. And so I would say for somebody younger, you know, be very aware of the voices that are being fed to you, like who, who your peers are, your friends, and try to really be around people who are positive and not that are just telling you all the things you want to hear, but people who have your best interest. Um, because I think you are who you are hang out with. And I mean, I, I always try to, to, you know, I'm in a coaching group with people who are better at my job than me because I'm always learning, um, you know, and by the way, you, you said something really interesting. I had a podcast with one of the top, her team is one of the top teams in the country. And she's like, you know, there's many times where I'm cleaning the toilets of a house, you know, a $20 yeah. million home. That's not, you know, perfect. Like you got, you, you'd be shocked at the things that I do. And so in my mind, I think about grit and just like, you know, the hard work and the reality TV shows in LA. I mean, that's probably, you guys must just shake your head on those things, but um, let's go backwards a little bit. Um, in 2016, you wrote a book. Um, I want to hear a little more about it, why you wrote it, what's come of it, you know, what's the overall message of this book? So the book is called Fresh Beliefs, Keeping to Your Spiritual Path. And, you know, up until I was probably in my late 30s, I'd kind of blissfully just gone through life living, you know, day to day. And, uh, you know, you plan for the future, you work as hard as you can, you do all those things. And, um, my mom walked in my front door one day and she handed me a, 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 a VCR tape and it was uh, The Secret by Rhonda Byrne. So it was the introduction uh, for me to the law of attraction. And I found it very interesting. I liked it. I began reading other content and uh, Esther Hicks, the, the Abraham, um, things like that. And I, and I was reading one night, and, which I do every night. And I just remember closing the book and said, I get this now. I know how to do this. And I put it aside, but I kind of went back to regular life and I stopped actually actually day-to-day -day practice. That resulted in a massive deviation from that path. And I made some really poor decisions, got myself in a bad place, ended up, you know, my marriage fell apart, my business wasn't doing well, all those kinds of things. And then I um, found myself walking the trail. I was living in Snoqualmie and I, was, I would walk the Snoqualmie Valley Trail every day. And then um, I just 
had this feeling to go back and read this book that my mom had given me 14 years prior, and that was Deepak Chopra's Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. Went back to the house. It was one of those blustery, windy days in November, and I sat on the couch, and I read it cover to cover, about an hour and a half. It's a short read, but I was nodding my head constantly throughout, like, I get this. And when I lifted my head after I closed the book, I look up, and I really... I mean, I had my awakening. I, I, I realized that everything in my life was my doing, but I can also influence that and undo those things or move forward in, in a healthier way. I mean, I can still see the room today. It was just laced in gold. It was an amazing experience. Um, and that I, I probably hung in there for three or four minutes. It felt like two or three hours, but those moments, if you've had them, don't really last that long. But what it did is it catapulted me into spirituality and it, and it just all the content, all the movies. Oprah was doing Super Soul Sunday back then, and I really got deep into it. And my life just started shifting. I started practicing things that resonated with me. And then, you know, I woke up one day and a friend said, hey, you know, thanks for that word of advice. And, you know, those things started to mount and I started feeling really good about things. And um, I was back on the trail again. And all of a sudden I'm walking and this, this same voice just kind of came back to me and it said, show them how to keep to the path. And in that moment, I knew I was going to write a book. And so I raced back home, grabbed a pad of paper, and I just started writing single lines, ideas, tools, techniques, things that resonated with me. And out of those became uh, some themes started to arise out of it. And those became then chapters. And I just sat down and started writing. I, I'd never really written before some short stories for myself and family, but nothing, nothing published, no, no, no formal training of any kind. So during that process, I'm going to some work workshops and I'm learning some things so the book would make sense. And in the end, what, what, what Fresh Beliefs really is, is, is are, the, are the tools and techniques that I used that helped me keep to my path. And if you keep to your path as best you possibly can, your life will unfurl the way you want it to. And so it was a wonderful exercise, a very vulnerable one too, because I remember sitting back one day going, oh my gosh, this is actually me on a platter right now. And I'm about to put it out to the world. And it was kind of a scary feeling at first, but I thought, well, hey, this is what I'm here to do. And, and the reason I say that is because when you start studying your real purpose in life, your real dharma, it's not always what you do for profession. It's, it's what, how you serve, how you really give back to your fellow, you know, you know, animals, environment, friends, family, everybody, how you give back. And so this became my dharma was just to show people how to keep to the path. And um, so uh, the book came out in January of 2017, did really well out of the gate, um, didn't pay the bills. So I had to make sure I had to keep working, you know, hence my, my jump into real estate. Um, but it's always a part of my life and it is my end game. As I continue to do well in real estate, I can start focusing more on that part of my life and get that really up and running again. How would you translate that book? I know there's some um, alignment with kind of what I'm doing on this podcast, as far as helping people get clear on their journey, their pathway, like whether it's a chapter or a line or something, like, how would you translate that to say a 26, 25 year old, you know, young woman, young man, that's struggling, that's got a lot of voices in their head. They're thinking about paying off debt. They're thinking about what looks good on social media. Uh, you know, their mom wants them to be a doctor. Their dad wants them to be an attorney. They have friends moving to Wall Street. Those voices can get confusing and they can make you numb. 
what would you say? I mean, is there any, any messages in your book that would align well or help maybe that audience get clear on choosing their life work? Yeah, no, no one's ever asked that before. That's really cool. You know, um, your greatest asset is your awareness and your greatest tool is your ability to make healthy emotional adjustments. So if you can learn how to respond to things as opposed to react, um, we overthink all day, every day. And that's why we react. And many times it's not the best reaction. But if you can take a moment, let's say you're, um, someone's irritated with you and they're coming at you with something. If in those moments while you're hearing those words, you're saying to yourself, just stay cool, stay in the moment. This person's obviously bothered by something. How can I help them? Stay cool, stay as long as you, it, it just keeps your, your, you from redlining, right? It keeps you in a good place. And then start crafting a response. And before you speak, take a moment just to take a breath and then, then re gently respond with, with grace. And hopefully there's no birth of an argument. You can help that person through the process. You know, they need to feel heard. So let, let them, let them vent, but then go through that kind of self-talk that just keeps you in a good place as opposed to building your defenses and firing back. So I think, you know, making those adjustments along the way are really healthy. It's funny. Uh, I have a handout, a flyer for this podcast and it's phase two. I just haven't got to it, but there's this, I want to do like these baseball card thumbnail of each guest, like your favorite movie, favorite food, whatever, you know, like, you know, those baseball cards when you're little that you yeah. say, and favorite quote. And my favorite quote is Victor Frankel. Um, and it's about the, the moment, uh, and I'll, I'll Tommy boy this and butcher it, but the, the, the time between stimulus and reaction yeah, you know, and basically what it says is the longer you can extend that in terms of reacting right away, uh, is your, that's your freedom. Uh, that I, again, I, I apologize. Look it up. Victor Frankel quotes. Uh, I should know it, but I, I love what you're saying. Cause I can really relate, but again, for a 25 year old, you said that awareness is, did you say uh, aware? Is your, is your greatest asset. And in the, in the end, if you want to go really deep, this is a different conversation, but we, we are awareness. It's, it's who we are. And we just allow all the other stuff to kind of take over us, if you will. Um, but that's your greatest asset. And the greatest tool is your ability to make healthy emotional adjustments. Okay. So how, okay. So why you answer this question, I have to get this quote, so I'm going to look it up so I can give it to you. Cause I think you'd really like it. Um, but how, so someone's listening they they just came out of college, maybe masters. And I don't know if they, it's, they feel safe, like thinking of becoming aware. Like those aren't things that I thought about when I was younger. Right. I wasn't, I was thinking about what would make my dad proud of me. And, you know, he was always comparing me to people and with money and I, you know, very shallow stuff. So I was kind of all about, you know, making money, which is, you know, I'm embarrassed to say, but, how do you become aware at that age with all these voices in your head? Um, any thoughts or advice to somebody that's listening right now? Yeah, well, obviously, it's, I'm, so I'm 58 years old, and I grew up at a time without cell phones and without the internet. And so it's hard for me to put myself in the shoes of someone who's, who's younger, who's only grown up with, you know, with that. Yep. The bottom line, though, is attention spans are not what they used to be. So... Um, if, if you can get yourself just to give an extra moment or two, I think that will go a long way. Okay. So thinking about like, okay, what I would let, let me go back in time. And like, I never thought about like, you know, like I love coaching and I love my freedom 
I don't like politics. I don't like having a boss. I like, I'm a go-getter. I don't like being capped compensation wise. Like these are things like, and even the negative of my job is I never thought about an annuity income. You know, I never thought about like commercial insurance or financial services where you build a book of business and you get paid on it. I wish somebody, and this is kind of why I started this podcast. I wish someone would have gotten in my head and said, okay, you wanted to get into residential lending, realize you're going to be starting over. And I'm not at all being the victim or speaking negatively, but these aren't things young adults and people are thinking about. Um, and so I guess to ask again, like the advice on you meditate, you get clear, you get out of your head, into your heart, someone that's listening, thinking, I don't really understand what they're talking about, or it seems a little woo mm-hmm. woo. Can you get another stab at like helping somebody that's just like, Hey, Spencer, I don't know what the heck I want to do. Uh, yeah. What should I go do? You know, should I go journal? Should I go travel for a year? I mean, maybe they don't have the resources to go travel internationally, but is there something somebody could do just on a budget to help them maybe make a better decision? Yeah, for sure. I mean, so what you, what you begin to realize later on in life is that you, we are always learning. You, you never have things totally dialed in. You can be content, but you're never totally dialed in. So I love to listen to other people. I love to gather knowledge. I love to try to grow. So if you're a young person, you don't know it all. And if you are someone who really wants to succeed, genuinely wants to succeed, listen to the people that came before you. Um, whether it's this podcast, Dirk is doing amazing things with all the guests he's bringing on, whether it's people that you see, um, you know, on, on programs or, or just books that you pick up. If someone says, read this book, they think you're going to benefit from it. So read the book. And, and you don't have to understand everything all the time. But if something you come across resonates, absolutely. That's, 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 there's a voice speaking to you. This is, don't, don't ignore those things. Jump into it all the way and just really begin to apply the lessons. It goes so far beyond what you learn in school. It's all about who came before you because everybody who's trying to help you really does have your best interest in mind. And it may not seem right to you. Not every piece of advice is going to be the right piece, but at least give it credence, uh, give it the respect um, that it deserves. If it doesn't work for you, fine, move on to the next thing. But the more of this you do, the more clarity you will have. And one day, it just will hit you, you know? I mean, I went to school uh, to study, you know, business and economics, and I, I don't, you know, I couldn't even begin to talk about economics right now. You know, it's a whole, it's, we all do things in life that we really didn't necessarily want to go to school for, right? So you never know what you're going to end up doing, and you never know who's going to come across your path. So eyes wide open to information and people. I love it. Um, all right, I'm still trying to find uh, this quote because I really think, okay, here we go. You ready? Mm-hmm. Between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space is our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and our freedom. Perfect. And I wrote wrote a book on road rage. So (laughs) you you know, I've come a long way. I've evolved. I didn't have road rage. I I, I can get angry sometimes, but um, I love that just because I I found myself, especially with my coach, who's become one of my closest friends, is just how I can be reactive. Uh, I've got a little fire in me, but I'm also sensitive and I'm, I think I'm pretty evolved, but I've noticed that when I get triggered, um, you know, and, and in my job, you know, you get stress, you get triggered. 
is, but the longer it takes to react, um, I find that typically that's a good thing. It is. And I think what's really important too, when it does happen to you, the first thing you say to yourself is like, oh my God, why did I do that? You know, because you've been practicing response, responding throughout the years. Now all of a sudden one day you just have a moment where you don't respond at all. You just react. And you, and the first thought I have when I do that is, oh my God, where'd that come from? You know? So, um, but then you correct it as quickly as you can. I love it. Okay. So I, you've done all these things, you know, you went to the Virgin islands for a year. Uh, I think, you know, you, you had a lot of traveled with uh, backpacking. I wouldn't ever probably, my guess is you would never want to like do it differently, but, but if you could go back in time, you're coming out of uh, college in Germany, knowing what you know now, would you have tweaked it at all differently? Would you have gotten into real estate sooner? Um, is there anything that you would have done differently? You know, looking back at my young life in high school, I wish I would have worked harder in school. Um, you know, as a 3.0 student, didn't really try that hard. So I do wonder had I had other, had I put real effort into it, would other opportunities have come my way? Um, I think about that sometimes. Uh, yeah, I mean, right now it's easy to say I wish I would have started real estate out of the gate. Um, there are a lot of young people who are doing it now that are very successful, that are doing really well. Um, there are people who are been in for 20 or 30 years. I look at them today and they're just, they're titans of the industry. Um, uh, so yeah, I would like to have started that earlier, but by saying that, then there's many other things I had to go through what I had to go through yeah. to get to where I am. And I, I love my past. I've made some, some poor personal decisions in my life for sure. You know, I take ownership of those things. Um, but professionally speaking, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I'm pretty happy with the way things have gone, you know, yeah. I'm still, I mean, to me, 58, but I feel like I'm, you know, 38. I, I mean, I try to stay fit. I keep my head on straight and, you know, work hard every day and expect good things to happen. So I've got a good 30 or 40 years in me still. You do. If real estate, let's just say was off the table for some, whatever reason, maybe AI takes it over and there's, is there a dream job? And I don't think that's going to happen with real estate, but uh, maybe in lending, but is there a dream job? Like if you could do anything and money wasn't an issue. And I asked this question of all my guests, just cause it's interesting for the audience to kind of get a, a flavor of a different feel for you. And like, sometimes the answers are very surprising and sometimes they're not, but if there was a dream job, Spencer, what would it be? Yeah. So I recall being in my early twenties, um, I was hiking uh, through the Olympic uh, national park and I saw two very young Rangers and nature had been a part of my life forever. So I always thought, man, why did I do this? I should have been a ranger, you know, cause they're, they're in the most beautiful place in the world. Their cheeks are flush. They're outdoors every day. They know that they know the trails inside and out. So I, you know, in my twenties, I kind of wished I had done that. Um, but today, you know, as I mentioned, fresh beliefs when, you know, my new dream job outside of real estate would be building a cottage industry around that, that, books concept which i've already outlined completely i've got coaching programs i've got everything else built around it already it's a matter of just launching it and that day will come so that that's uh that's my dream job that's my my purpose and that's 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 what comes after real estate i love it is there anything uh while we wrap this up you know someone that is dead set on being a realtor uh maybe they're i don't know maybe they don't feel very social or connected they don't have enough people i mean there could be a million reasons that are causing them to maybe question if it's a good fit. Uh, I don't know. Is there just advice you have for somebody that wants to break into uh, a pretty crowded industry? 
Uh, yeah, if that's what you feel you want to do, then you definitely should do it. And uh, ask around. Uh, there are different brokerages that are out there. They all provide different forms of training, uh, different technical platforms. Um, uh, all managing brokers are very good. You know, they 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 help you along. Um, and I'm happy to help anyone that reaches out. They can call me directly, and and we can help them out a little further on that. But as long as you're willing to work, and you're willing to work weekends, and 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 love it, um, it's it becomes a hobby for you, and and. You know, you can you can build your client base. If you know if you don't know one person, you can very easily build a client base the right way. And you know, you you can turn every any conversation into real estate. And um, before you know it, you've got a new client, or you go to an open house and you meet people there. It's if you feel you need to do it, then jump in. The right people will, will come into your life to help you. Do you feel? Um, I do. I guess I have another question. The smaller shops versus the bigger ones, like you work for, is there? Do you have any advice on which direction somebody should go? I think that you should go all in. I think that you should, if you want to work for a bigger brokerage firm, I mean, here locally, I mean, Compass is huge. Windermere is big. John L. Scott is great. Um, there are a lot of smaller brokerage firms, but don't minimize your opportunity because you feel like you have to go to a small firm where there's just six people. Um, don't feel like you have to go onto a team to learn the ropes first and then you know, jump in on your own. If you feel that's right for you, then do that. Um, I had no interest in teams, you know, I mean, I did this later on in life, so it's easier for me to kind of do my thing on my own. But um, I would definitely recommend uh, walking into a, a you know, a, a bigger company. John L. Scott is where I started. Uh, their training is tremendous. Um, they're very well known regionally, a very solid company. Um, I moved to Compass mainly because of the platform they offer on the tech side, uh, makes the marketing pieces a little easier, actually a lot easier. Um, but uh, the, your fears are your own. So you really have to just kind of sit back and determine how much you want that to determine your choices in life. Um, if you're in your heart want to become a real estate broker, absolutely jump in and, and, and you know, just walk in the front doors, tell them you want to do this get your license and, um, and go to work. Yeah. And maybe even like to expedite the credibility working with somebody like you or someone who's seasoned, uh, you know, when I got into lending, I didn't really know lending, but I was around really good people, which helped me be credible. There's a lot of questions I didn't know the answers to. So that's also probably a route people can go. Definitely. And, and it's not a slight on the smaller brokerage firms. They're also very good and very talented, but I like the bigger ones just because there's more information to drop from. I mean, the hallway conversations you have are wonderful. People put deals together, you know, uh, just literally around the water cooler, you know, so things can come together that quickly. So, um, yeah, I mean, if it's in your heart, go for it. Spencer, thanks. I was thinking of something creative in German to say, like, choose or Afitasen, but that's all that's I got. Great. Yeah, you know, I took a little, I took three years of German in college, so I know a little bit. So, well, I can see it paid off for you. I will see. Thanks for coming on. You're welcome. Right. Pleasure. Glad, glad to have you here and glad you have me. Thanks, Thanks man. Appreciate see it. You. Bye.